Hello, this is Margaret Ajibola, the STEM Positive Disruptor. And on today, I have a special guest on Mia's conversation, Cheryl Byrne Herber. And she's a senior staff architect with um, VMW, uh, VMware. Um, she's a specialist in accessibility, which she'll tell us more about. And the reason why we set up this platform is to educate, raise awareness, change people's perception and demystify what STEM is about science, technology, engineering, mathematics. It's about showcasing the, what is happening within our industry, but also to introduce more young people to come on board, but also change how things are being done because we are here to provide solutions. And today I have a special guest who's doing great things where accessibility is concerned. And without further ado, welcome again, Cheryl. Thank you so much for coming on board. Please, um, I appreciate the invitation. Thanks, Margaret. No problem. Please tell us more about yourself. So um, I kind of have a multidisciplinary background. Um, I started off with a degree in computer science and then ended up going to law school, um, which is not a particularly common combination. And then uh, after that, I got an MBA and uh, I have a, a lifelong mobility disability. I use a wheelchair to get around uh, longer distances. And people assume when they see the wheelchair, oh, that's why she got into accessibility because she uses a wheelchair. And actually, I got into accessibility because I have a child who's deaf. And so, um, you know, to me, the wheelchair is just a way of getting from point A to point B. The disability isn't the chair. The disability mm -hmm. is when there are stairs and no ramp. Yeah, or mm -hmm. uh, when I was in London last, uh, you know, the subway stations with no elevators. Um, so uh, I started doing that about, I think I'm going on 17 years now. Um, that that I've been working on dis in specifically in disability inclusion, digital accessibility, and the intersection between technology and disability. You know, I, I'm so impressed because I mean, you had this um, book which you um, um, did, which is called "Giving a Damn About Accessibility," and you know, it's so powerful and so strong. And I think everyone should read really read that because it makes a difference. Because sometimes, as you're saying, people assume that just because you like this or you're doing certain things is because of what they think they physically see. But, you know, your driver was to deal with your daughter, your daughter uh, that was deaf, and you knew the limitations of what the hindrances were. And that forced you, in a way, to start finding ways to make your daughter's life much more... Exactly. And, and sometimes you'll fight for your you'll fight for your children in a way that you won't necessarily yeah. fight for yourself. Exactly. So uh, that, that uh, to me was was a very powerful motivating factor. Um, but people don't realize 70 percent of disabilities are invisible. OK, right. so that includes things like colorblindness and dyslexia mm -hmm. and mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, there are famous uh, actors and actresses that have invisible disabilities. Okay. Um and then in the workplace, on top of that, only 40% uh, of employees will tell their employers that they have a disability. 60% are trying to hide it. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's the other thing. People are concerned about active discrimination. Uh, yeah. They think they'll, they'll be singled out if they request accommodations. Mm -hmm. um, and my goal is to build an environment where that doesn't happen. You know, so true. And I do love the, the, what you're saying. And I think you're, you're quite right. Because of, I, don't, I think people are not intentionally trying to discriminate, but we do. It's one of those things that happens and it's, it's like we normalize it. And I love the fact that you're changing that by what you're doing with those um, companies that you're bringing 
getting them to understand the reason why they need to make it more accessible and more inclusive to to adapt to suit the general public because we all know that we are so there's such diverse people diverse as you said uh, disability is not always visible the invisible ones are the ones that sometimes do need that help because they have the ability to do the job but they need that extra help or support to be able to do them to be more effective do you know i i, I do want to say and that's actually where the title of my book came from because it's like ah. okay the solutions are there. All you yeah. have to do is care about it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I chose a, a slightly more provocative way uh, to, to say you just need to care about it a little bit. But but it's true, though. And I, I think this, this is why I applaud. I, I love you challenging our way of thinking. I, I love the idea that you, you want to get people to start thinking, not just about themselves, because sometimes we get so comfortable in our norm, whatever that defined as norm is. And I think you're, you, what you're doing, I think what you are doing is challenge that norm and make it more, how do you say, inclusive and it's more accessible for everyone. And, and I, this is so important. And I do love the idea. I do love what uh, LinkedIn did. They made you, you know, your the, the game changer in many ways, the top boys for social impact 2022. But also there's so many things you have done, how you're making a difference in big companies as well, getting them to think out of the box and what you, you're challenging them. So I, I, I want to just go back slightly to where you started off with your, when your daughter, you had your daughter and you realized there was the, that she was being limited by this and the, the setup wasn't a, conducive for her to to grow in the way you like it to so what how did you bring out that the driver then set you off to a new way of getting challenging system the system itself to make to be aware of what they need to do so how did you come about doing that well i started in just generic uh, disability inclusion. Um, yeah. I worked for a nonprofit for several years um, where, uh, because I was a lawyer, um, where I uh, got into uh, discussions or mediations or litigation, uh, largely for students with uh, disabilities, with okay. specific learning needs that weren't yeah. being provided by the schools. Okay. But then also, you know, we have this stupid for-profit medical system in the United States. And so people frequently get turned down uh, for treatment. Uh, related to their disabilities. And so yeah. there's this appeals process. Yeah, and, yeah. and I helped people specifically with hearing loss yeah. through the appeals process. Mm -hmm. And we have this um, thing in the US called class action lawsuits. And a class action lawsuit is when you're suing not just for you, but mm -hmm. for everybody yeah. like you. Wow. Um, and I did win a class action lawsuit against the largest insurer in the United States. And then all of a sudden people weren't getting denied that treatment anymore. Yeah. And so uh, the num my number of case, my caseload went down about 95% in, in the span of two months because the insurers, since they lost the litigation, they had to provide yeah, uh, the yeah. service. And so- yeah. Uh, that was just when digital accessibility was coming out. And so I thought, you know what, I'll dust off my computer science degree and mm -hmm. um, I'll start working in making technology work better for people with disabilities. But we're in this amazing era right now where in the last, I want to say, 14 months, uh, speech recognition in particular 
has gotten so much better. Yeah. Uh, machine learning is something yeah. that we can now apply uh, to accessibility testing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I'm starting to experiment now with chat GPT, um, where people with dyslexia, for example, can mm -hmm. put information into chat GPT and have it generated back out to them in, in a way that oh, they can more yeah, easily yeah. understand it. Yeah. Do you know that I, I do... I, <laughs> It's quite, I, I love the fact that you're not, I mean, of course you were um, a computer scientist, or you're, that's where you got your first degree, and then you became a lawyer. And, you know, marrying those two together has made a difference because it enables you, you understand the, the technical scene, but also know the legality of things, which means that you're- Yeah, no, I'm the translator, right? I can explain things, you know, from the legal perspective, from the perspective of a person with a disability, from yeah. the business process. You know, I, I've had situations where uh, developers, I ask them to do something yeah, and yeah. they'll be like, oh my God, that's so hard. That's going to take six weeks. And my response quite frequently is, would you like me to code that for you? Uh, because- <laughs> What they're doing is they're they're not wanting to learn the topic deep enough to actually yeah. understand it and apply it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, be because I understand uh, how to implement it, I also yeah. understand how long it's going to take. Take yeah, of course. And you know that's I I seriously you're you're what I would call a package, <laughs> a very positive <laughs> package because. Um, you're making that change and I think sometimes you know you, you talk about getting someone to change something and they already making excuses why they can't do it and the, th the thing is you are because you have your understanding and your background it allows you to be to challenge that myth and get them to start doing things which they will normally say well we can't because of this because of that and your background allows you to to make that change in such a positive way. And that- Yeah, you know, I, I am a bit of a unicorn in terms of my background, but I always tell people, you don't have to have a computer science degree or a legal degree uh, to, to raise your hand in a, in a project meeting and say, hey, how is somebody with a disability gonna use this, right? Okay. All you have to do is ask the question, which goes back to the title of my book. All you have to do is, is care a little bit yeah. and, and understand uh, what the possibilities are. Yeah. And understand the impact of, yeah. of being exclusionary even if it's not intentional the impact is the same so indeed yeah and you know I, I i do love that and i know as you're saying uh, we're in this perfect world now well not perfect but at least where we're it's technology evolving there's so many um programs out there that can that's now so more supportive of people with disability seen and unseen but what based on your experience and based on what you're doing because you're doing great work not just in the u.s i think people you're very uh, people know you quite well across where disability where um, accessibility is concerned and you know i i can see that but what do you think we're still lacking in and i because we we, we talk about we you know i'm grateful for the solutions that have been provided but what are the things that you feel still is lacking or we're, we're still struggling with that idea of change is it to do with people's perception or thinking or is it to do with the, the actual tools that we use what what do you what would you say is still something we are still well is it still an issue i think i think there's two things that i can highlight that if you have these two things yeah. your accessibility program is probably going to be more successful mm -hmm. um, the first thing is we don't have enough people with disabilities who are in full employment 
Um, the unemployment rate in the U.S. for people with disabilities is double the unemployment rate for people without disabilities. And so there's there's some discrimination issues pertaining to hiring practices. And then there's also um, educational issues where people with disabilities aren't offered always the same educational opportunities as people without disabilities. So that's number one. I think an, empl an employer really needs to assess how do we recruit? How do we onboard? How do we re retain uh, people with disabilities? Because when, even if you have a large accessibility team and VMware's accessibility team is fairly large, we have 20 people on it. Mm -hmm. We're still not going to be in every room where the conversations need to be had. Okay. We need to have people who are willing to speak up about accessibility mm -hmm. on our behalf when we're not there. Indeed. And you do that by having more employees with disabilities. Um, the second thing that uh, sometimes uh, is a problem is there's this disconnect between leadership's words and leadership's actions. You know, nobody gets up on a stage and says, I don't care about people who are blind. Um, everybody says, oh, disability inclusion is important. Accessibility is important. But then if you're underfunding it in your corporation or you're prioritizing features over accessibility, um, you know, that ends up being a problem in the actual implementation because the actions don't meet the words. Right, of course. So yeah. those are the two things that if you can get around those two problems, uh, you can definitely make a lot of progress uh, with respect to accessibility, not just for what you're selling, yeah, but yeah. for how you're operating as an organization. And, and there's a couple of fairly well-known studies that mm -hmm. say, if you do a good job at disability inclusion in your organization, you know, your profits, for example, are going to be like one third higher. Of your uh, return on investment is going to be higher. So there's mm -hmm. actually a financial number uh, objectively that you can put. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to spend some money to do it, um, but the payoff on the back end uh, is also significant. Indeed. And you know, nobody, I... nobody expects it to be done as a charity. Uh, well, in, in the corporate world, especially not in the U.S. Indeed. I mean, well, yes, I mean, you're, you're quite right about that. But, you know, you made a point about the, the profit margin where it increases. But this is something, if you look at it from the gender perspective, we've had that before, where as well, if you do this, you should do that. But people struggle. They say they all say the right things. But when it comes to the actual tangent implementation of it, they're lagging behind. So, you know, you work with um, VMware. And you're very much you're a staff architect, a senior staff architect, you said, and you do accessibility. How have you been able to get them to start thinking in that in that way to bring that change? Because really, what we're saying is that if they can do it, surely other organizations can pick up on the idea that hold on, there's an organization, they're quite a big corporate companies, so they anyone can be able to gain gain ideas from them that this is actually a possible way forward. Yeah, so um, I founded the accessibility program at VMware uh, four and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and then just coming up on four years, um, I also founded the VMware uh, Disability Employee Resource Group. So employee resource groups are very important to people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand that disability is intersectional. Anybody can become disabled at any time. If you are not disabled this second, Mm -hmm. Chances of you being disabled in the future are quite high, right? Mm -hmm. Because disability is also frequently associated with age, but there can be accidents um, and, and what have you. So um, 
the uh so that's one way i've been able to do it um we did something uh called the disability equity index and okay. that comes from a group called disability in and we assessed everything at vmware pertaining to disability um and over a, a couple of years period of time we eventually got a 100% score and was named a best place to work for disability. Wow. So uh, one of the things that was that was critical to doing that um, was passing an internal accessibility policy. So not only do we look at the accessibility of what we sell, mm -hmm. we also look at the accessibility of what we buy. Ah, because our disabled employees aren't going to be effective if we can if we buy inaccessible products. It's very true. Very, very true. Very, very true. So did you get the buy-in from um the senior the management itself? Yes. So uh we had originally um a VP of a particular business unit uh who uh created my job description and and allocated the budget for me to be hired and then i went around and convinced all the general managers of all the business units that this was something that we needed to fund uh and the internal accessibility policy is actually sponsored by our chief information officer and currently my role comes under the chief technology officer for the entire company. Um, so we we do have buy-in at, at quite senior levels. And I think that's, uh, as I mentioned, uh, making sure that the words match the actions yeah, uh, at the yeah. leadership level, you, mm -hmm. you just won't have a successful accessibility program without that. So true, so true. I, I'm really impressed and I'm really, I'm very impressed with what VMware is doing as well. The fact that they, they took it's not a risk it's something that should have been done a long time ago but they're now they've actually taken on the, the role on board and took you on board and you brought that change and that and to me that's so important for companies to to wake up and understand that there is a need for us to change we can't the world is not as it was once upon a time where we all had se separate roles everyone's now interchanging and working together it's about the raising awareness and changing perception, changing the way we do things, you're having a different mindset to enable that um, accessibility, make it make sure everybody of diverse from diverse background to be able to enjoy being in employment or being in a place where they feel safe enough to move around in a free way itself. So I, again, I applaud you, um, Sherry, for what you're doing and what you've achieved and what you're um, shouting out because there's so many companies and not just in the US, in the UK, but across the world and need to wake up to the idea that we do need accessibility within the workplace, but also in our community as a whole, wherever you are. Yeah, community is really, really important to VMware. So not only do I work on external products and internal stuff, yeah. I also work with our vendors. Yeah. So, and when our vendors make accessibility improvements that, that we've requested, that we've yeah. worked with them on, everybody yeah. who uses that software benefits. It's not just, you know, some some specific feature that they're putting in that only goes into to VMware's version. Um, I also work on three of the standards organizations that are deciding what the next uh, generation of accessibility requirements are going to be. Um, but you don't have to have VMware's bank account to make a dent in accessibility. I actually have an article, I'll send you the link uh, later, uh, called Accessibility on a Shoestring Budget. 
-hmm. And it's things that that startups and very small companies that have uh, significant financial constraints, small steps that they can make um, mm -hmm. that will lead to improved accessibility uh, in their product without having to write, you know, some big six figure check. And, you know, I yeah, do please send me the link because I think in a way, the more we raise awareness of what's possible, the more people start pick, um, um, sitting up and start making those changes within their own environment, within their workplace. Because sometimes you're right, people are concerned about how much is it going to cost me? How long is it going to take me to do this? But if you're saying that it, it's you don't have to spend so much to do, make that difference, then hey, why don't we start investing and start looking at a way to make it more an inclusive environment for everyone to 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 work in. Thanks for the link. Well, multitasking yeah. for the win. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> high impact accessibility on a budget is the name of the article. Okay, no problem. I'll, I'll definitely um, get that and I'll share it as well. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. So just based on what you're doing and now looking looking into the future, looking at also young people as well. What should they also be thinking about? Because we want to project not just for us as we are now, but we're looking at the future generation, looking at how we want to change, get them start thinking out of the box. Sometimes we pick up on what everybody else is doing and we don't change, whereas we want to, them to start thinking, well, every time I move forward, every time I do something, I have to be considerate, considerate of other people or maybe the things that, as you're saying, not every disability is visual. There are those that we're not aware of. How do? What would you say? Or give us just two or three recommendations, things that we are that we need to take on in on board now, but also for the future generation as well. All the things you would like to see happening, the changes that we start implementing in our minds, change the mindset, but also in tangible ways as well. So, so two things I'll highlight. One is um, you will not find a person born after the year 2000 that doesn't know somebody who's neurodiverse. Okay, mm -hmm. neurodiversity, you know, used to be a one in, you know, 250 diagnosis, and now it's a one in 54 diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some overlap between neurodiversity and disability. Some neurodiverse conditions are significant enough that they can they are considered disabling. Mm -hmm. But many of them are not. And it's mm -hmm. just a different way of thinking and a different way of interacting and a different mm -hmm. way of processing data. Mm -hmm. So it's important to understand the impact of neurodiversity in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's going to be more and more critical as those 20-somethings start to enter the workforce. So that would mm -hmm. be number one. Mm -hmm. um, that's social. Okay. Now, on the legal side, the European Accessibility Act is taking effect in the summer of 2025. So we're like 27-ish months away from that um, becoming uh, official, the, the law of the land. Um, so that's the, the main EU. Now, the uh, the UK adopted the previous version of the European Accessibility Law before Brexit. So there's still a standing accessibility uh, law in um, England, which may evolve over time to match the EU law. Mm -hmm. um, but the EU law uh, will definitely uh, broaden in 2025. It makes accessibility an outstanding career choice for people because mm -hmm. there's going to be more and more need for people who understand digital accessibility, especially mm -hmm. on the technology side. Yeah. When that law kicks in and all of a sudden everybody goes, oh my God, 
uh, you know, we have to meet this new law, even though the law has been pending for mm-hmm. like five years. It's, of course, going to be a surprise sure. uh, to a number <laughs> of people. Um, so I would say in terms of looking uh, towards the future, uh, th- those are two uh, very strong indicators of things that are are pretty much guaranteed to happen. Indeed. Do you know, thank you so much. You know, I, I'm so grateful that you came on this platform because, again, what we our aim is to educate, to raise awareness and change um, perception. And this is what you've done. This is what you are doing. And you're not just doing it in your company, your small environment, but it's actually a global thing. And you speak a lot on your own panel, panels discussing accessibility. And to me, I think it's so important that we as human, we as human beings, we need to be sensitive to other people, what's going on around them, because not, not everyone can fit in the way we would like them to fit in it's been sensitive to their needs and know what can i do to make that difference in that person's environment in that person's life would that what if i put this in place would that make them more comfortable so they can then be more effective and more productive and i think that's so important and this is what you're doing here and i I mean, it it even ties into sustainability. Everybody's worried. Lots of people are worried about climate change. I can't say everybody, but many people are. And if you look at the 17 United Nations Sustainability Development Goals, half of them are either about disability Mm. or impact people with disabilities more than they impact people without disabilities. And we're never going to be a sustainable society unless we take care of the one sixth of people, like Mm. you said, that are mismatched with their environment um that that what they need isn't what they're getting so true so true you know what (laughs) i i i'm so so impressed with you and i thank you so much for coming on this platform i know we i think this is so important the information you've given today that what you've spoken about will resonate with so many people who want to be that difference that positive difference within their environment and just what you um the recommendations and examples of what's happening what they're doing in the us and what you have done basically combining technology or the technical understanding the technical background the skills that's required but also the legal requirement as well it's not even about legal it's just about just common sense being sensitive and being aware of people and showcasing that and also understanding the needs of people who have disabilities the those that are visible and those that are non-visible as well and it's just raising that people's awareness that hold on a minute not everybody sitting next to me is actually what i think they are so let me just be if they're not doing what i expect them to do maybe there's something that i should be aware of Let's start a conversation. And that's what we're doing today. Having a conversation about the things that we need to, it should be an everyday thing where we just be more comfortable with one another and make it more inclusive for our community as a whole. So thank you so much, Sherry, for coming on board. I know you're quite busy and I know you're like a dad in a place, but I'm I'm so grateful for you to come on board um, on, on this platform. So again, thank you very much. Appreciate the invite. Thanks, Margaret. People can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always willing to have a conversation uh, with with people who want to get on the path to better accessibility. Wonderful. You know what? We want people. So whoever's listened, who listened to this podcast, please do get in contact with Sherry because what she has, that she just gives so much. I'm not hard to find. I'm the only burn haber on the planet that that <laughs> works at, that works in technology. I have one daughter with the same last name, but she works in. Uh, she's a, still a college student. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> but you know what? Again, 
people who listen, I'll also put a link um, on the contacts so that they'll be able to contact you as well. So thank you so much again. I really appreciate you for coming on board. Again, thank, no problem. Thank you. Thank you again, everyone. So please do listen to this podcast and please share with your network because we want to be that difference. We want to make that positive difference. And Cheryl is a, a prime example of doing making that difference, not just for herself or her family, but also globally as well. And it's great work she's doing. So we need to give a damn about each other, give a damn about accessibility. So please do read her, read her book as well. Thank you very much. Thanks.